see what someone's all about, you ask people in, the, in their own family. So I have three daughters, and uh, we moved from Singapore to Gordon-Conwell in 2003. The very first Sunday we're that we were there was Mission Sunday. So my little girl went off to Sunday school, and they asked there, does anybody here know a missionary? And my daughter raised her hand, and she said, my daddy's a missionary, but he never tells anyone about Jesus. <laughs> So that week, I sat her down, and I, and I told her, you know, sweetheart, daddy went to school. He tried to learn a lot of things so he could tell other people what's going on around the world. You know, it was a lot of work and all of that. So the next Sunday, my little girl went back to Sunday school, and before anybody could say anything, she raised her hand. And she said, my daddy is a doctor but he can't help anyone. <laughs> so that sums up my vocation. Um, but I'm here today to just give you a few key ideas behind what's happening in the world and how it relates to the kingdom of God. Uh, first of all, I want to say that uh, I want to give uh, credit to, I'm trying to give credit uh, to these two men. Here, the one on the left, David Barrett, uh, was the one who started the work that we're continuing at Gordon-Conwell. He started in Africa in 1965. We've been going 54 years continuously doing this research. On the right is Ralph Winter, who you'll hear a little bit more about tomorrow. He stood up at the Lausanne 1974 meeting and said, if everyone witnesses to their, every Christian witnesses to their neighbor, half the world will not hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Very important talk. I was very um, impressed by him, but gradually I was more impressed by his youngest daughter, Tricia, who I married in 1983 um, and had uh, three daughters. So I owe a lot to these, these two men. I do write reference books, big atlases and, and books. I edit databases. And it turns out that um, we've been working for the last five years on our newest book, which is the World Christian Encyclopedia 3rd Edition. It's actually being printed today or tomorrow in Scotland and should be out uh, in about five or six weeks. Um, we have not spoken publicly about what we found out in this book, but I'm going to give you a few uh, quick um, ideas from the overview. First of all, we're going to present the world of Christians in many different ways through di different lenses of gender and race and language um, and even uh, education and other ways. And so we get off to a, a sort of a integrated start to show you what's going on all around the world. We're still going to be talking about the shift of Christianity to the global south by the way, these are all from the first 32 pages of the book, which is a full-color overview of what's going on in global Christianity. I'll talk about this in just a minute. Um, in addition, tomorrow in the Missiology Seminar, I'm going to talk about how Christianity was a majority global south for the first thousand years of, of, its, of the faith, which is often not uh, considered. That's in our book. Um, we also have beautiful maps of Christianity in various places around the world, give you a briefing of what's going on. This is Africa. Um, 
At the same time, we also uh, map different movements within Christianity. This is the Pentecostal charismatic movement, and you can see how it, it is stronger, generally speaking, in the South. There's a few in Greenland, apparently, as well, but we can keep going on that. So, um, from there, we also talk about the world's religions. This is a beautiful map. There's 3,000 pieces of information on this map. It's every province of the world and the religious situation. I'll talk about that tomorrow. Uh, we also are very concerned about ethnicity and language, and these are the world's largest ethnic families and how Christianity has um, penetrated each of them. Darker blue is a stronger Christian, and you'd probably want to look at this up close to try to understand it. We also map the missionary situation of the world, uh, top 10 sending and receiving countries. The United States sends more than any other country, receives more than any other country. Um, then, this is what most of the book looks like, once you get past the color section. Uh, then you're just looking at every country of the world, what is the religious situation, what's the history of Christianity in each place, and then it gets really exciting, because here we have um, a list of all of the Christian denominations in the world, and this is just in the Democratic Republic of Congo. By the way, that same daughter is now in college, and her friends ask her what her dad does, and she says, my dad writes books with numbers that no one can understand. So, so I still haven't really made much progress with her after all these years. Okay, a few quick trends here. Uh, first of all, this is my exciting subject. The, the uh, Christianity has been about a, th a third of the world's population for the last hundred years or so. You look, if you're in the hospital and the, and the monitor next to you looks like this, that's the last thing you're ever gonna see. Okay, so this, this isn't very exciting in one sense. It's just uh, static, but that hides an important trend which I'm sure most of you are well aware of by now. And if we contrast 1910 and 2010, you don't have to really even see this very closely to know that the bottom percentage there of 66% is 66% uh, of all Christians in 1910 were European. Another 15% uh, in North America who are mainly Europeans at that point. That's over 80% of all Christians in what is called the Global North. Um, now watch what happens in 100 years. We're going to go to 2010 and you'll see the uh, 66 shrink down to just 25% and you add what's left of North America in there, and it's less than 40%. This is the shift of Christianity from north to south over that period. Uh, the reason it happened so fast is that people were leaving churches in Europe, and people were entering churches in Africa at the same time. Not, not the same people, right? But, but new people coming into the to the churches in Africa, Asia, Latin America. So there's been this tremendous shift. Um, we might want to ask ourselves, what does this shift mean? And we'll start with this as we think about uh, the kingdom of God. Um, this is a exhibition in Berlin. You're looking at a young Chinese graphic designer who moved from Beijing to Berlin. And she noticed that Chinese culture and German culture are very different. So she decided to put together some icons to contrast them. First, we have punctuality. 
you see the, 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 the blue is German, the, the red is Chinese. So the Germans are absolutely on time. The Chinese, well, there's a little bit of play there. If you had Latin America there, it would just go all the way around, right? <laughs> so there's contrast in how time is considered. What about the handling of problems? You see in German society, people just walk straight through the problem. Um, but in Chinese, there's a bit more tact in dealing uh, with problems. Uh, how about a queue when waiting? <laughs> Germans all lined up, Chinese pressed against winter. Remember, this is a Chinese person drawing this as they reflect on their life in Germany. Uh, then we have <clears throat> opinion, which is uh, sort of similar to the running, uh, handling of problems. And finally, we get to the uh, contacts. And if you could see this more clearly, you'd see the Germans just have a few contacts, the Chinese in a great web of relationships. Now, when I was producing my material, I came across this, and I thought, this is interesting because what I'm saying is that Christianity has shifted from the blue side, let's say, predominantly cultures like this, to the, to the red. And, and then you think, you know, what about the New Testament? And you realize it actually is much more compatible with the red side, that the, this great web of relationships. And this is especially clear when we talk about the way of life. The, the group um, way of life versus the individual. And here we can see that uh, cultures on the right uh, have a, are a lot closer to what we read about in, in the New Testament. Yet, most of what is written and distributed in global Christianity is written by people on the left. So uh, everywhere you go, and I, I've lived several places around the world, and, and uh, you see this dominance of that particular way of looking at things, which is really a shame since the cultures on the right are actually closer to both the New and Old Testament cult you know, culturally. Um, so we want to see something happen there, and people have been writing about this. One of my favorites uh, is a book called Mangoes or Bananas, The Quest for an Authentic Asian Theology and Missiology, and the author, uh, Malaysian Bishop Hua Yung, says it's a shame that Christianity in Asia is like a banana. It's yellow on the outside, but white on the inside. All the training and books and music, everything is from the global north. Wouldn't it be beautiful if it were like a mango, yellow on the outside, yellow on the inside? And I think this is, this to me, as someone who studies Christianity, is the biggest renovation project within Christianity, is to get the beauty from all of those cultures to come to the surface uh, in global Christianity. Um, okay, then next uh, we have the fact that even the top five languages of global Christianity indicate uh, this kind of uh, shift. First of all, the number one mother tongue of all Christians of all kinds, Catholic, Orthodox, Protestant, Independent, Evangelical, Pentecostal, is Spanish. And it's not because of Spain, it's because of Latin America, right? Uh, number two is English, not always British English like I have here. And number three is Portuguese, but not because of little Portugal, but dynamic Brazil. Um, and then number four is Russian, and that's the Russian Orthodox Church mainly. Uh, and number five is now 
Mandarin Chinese. So we see even at that level, um, these languages show uh, diversity in global Christianity. As we go down the list, European languages are dropping every year, and African, Asian, Latin American languages going up on the other side. Now, we just celebrated the um, 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. I was in Wittenberg for a Lausanne meeting, and um, we presented some findings. You can sort of see it here. 42% of all Protestants today are Africans. And yet at that meeting of about 100 people, there was just a few Africans there. And someone at the table, I mean someone at, at the front of the meeting uh, said, we want Africans to know that they are welcome at the table here in our uh, the meeting of our group. And actually one of the Africans uh, from Ghana was sitting next to me and he leaned over to me and he said, we have a pro proverb in Ghana and that is, it's good for you to invite me to the table, but it's better if you invite me into the kitchen. And the question is, um, are Africans attending all these meetings uh, at, to a Western table when they should be in the kitchen changing the whole flavor of things? Um, there will be a point not too, in the not too distant future when half of all Christians uh, in the world are African. And I've thought about introducing myself in secular situations and saying, uh, my name is Todd Johnson, I'm professor of, of global Christianity. That's, that's an African religion, in case you're wondering. Okay, which would, uh, doesn't work too well yet, but it will, eventually. <laughs> All right, so, um, I also was in Mongolia last year, and uh, what's happened there is just remarkable. Uh, except the leaders that I was meeting with uh, here at the statue of Genghis Khan um, told me, we, we, we love what God has done here, but we're too Western. We're too Korean. There's 600 Korean missionaries in, in um, Mongolia. And they want to write their own music and do their own commentaries and so on. And that's the future of Christianity, not just in Mongolia, uh, but around the world. So that's a plea, and we could say here that the kingdom of God, as a summary, uh, that the kingdom of God is characterized by global diversity in language and ethnicity, favoring indigenous forms of the faith. Um, and we heard the scriptures read out loud here that are, it's obvious that we're going in this direction. Uh, Leslie Newbigin says uh, the central concern of the Bible uh, is with the ultimate manifestation of God's glory in a redeemed creation and a redeemed humanity. None will share that glory until it embraces all for whom it is intended. Since therefore humanity is seen as a whole, as one family with whom God has made his covenant of blessing in Noah, it follows that God's saving purpose is effected not only by a separate dispensation for each individual, but by a dispensation which binds the human race and all its history into one, which is another um, issue that we face. We're very diverse, but we're also very fragmented. There are 45,000 Christian denominations in the world, um, and it reminds me of an anecdote I heard about a guy who was stranded on a desert island. Been there many, many years, finally a cap or ship uh, came up and the captain got down and uh, saw these three huts on the island and the captain said, it's amazing how you've lived here all these years. Tell me about your life. 
He said, well, this first hut is where I've lived, and this second hut is where I go to church. And the captain said, what's, what's the third hut? And he said, oh, that's where I used to go to church. Okay, so just, just one person has to start a new denomination for himself. Uh, so 45,000 denominations. Uh, and our second and final point, I'll stop here, um, is that the kingdom of God is characterized by unity and diversity. And we have the, the, the prayer of unity that Jesus um, gave in, in John 17, 21, that you know well. And Palestinian professor Salim Munahir writes this, and I'll close with this. Jesus created a community of reconciled ones who live in peace because they have a tie uniting them that is stronger than any difference that may separate them. And this tie is the submission to their king and the advancement of the kingdom. Thank you. Let's have the band come up and finish us off. I mean, finish our service off. Thank you.